All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome. We're so thrilled that you are here. Uh, isn't it good to have our main man, Rick, back? Come on, encourage Rick. So glad. Uh, hopefully next week he'll be able to share about his Peru trip. I know you all prayed for him this week, and we're so excited to have him back. we got several first-time guests today. Could you make all of our guests feel welcome this morning? Come on, encourage those guys. Now, we have a rule. If you come one time, you're a guest, but if you come two times, you're family. So, Carrie, you guys are family now. So, you come come once, you're a guest. Come twice, then you're family. But we want to welcome you. We understand that you could have chose anywhere to worship today, but you came here, and we are so thrilled for that. Look at your neighbor and say, you look a little better than last time I saw you. Come on, tell him. Isn't that good, Susan? He looks a little better than last time. We have a really great day planned for you. Uh, let me just kind of outline the day, and then I want to go over very quickly our mission and vision. This is Missions Month. A lot of churches have Mission Sunday. How many of you have ever been a part of a church that had Mission Sunday? Well, this is Missions Month, and so we've des designated the whole entire month of August as uh, Emmanuel Go, and uh, Rick made that logo for us, and so this is Missions Month, so we have a missions theme. So in just a second, I'm going to introduce Jay, our missions coordinator, but before we do that, I want us to look at our vision real quick. Our vision at our church is to express our faith through love. How many of you have ever been in a church and didn't quite feel loved? How many of you felt worse when you left the church than when you came in? That will never happen unless you drink too much coffee and you're sick to your stomach because you drink too much coffee. But as far as love and affirmation and encouragement, you, we will always leave you lifted. We will always encourage you. So our church, our vision is to express our faith through love. And one way we do that is by investing in missions. That's huge on our heart. We invest in the Great Commission. And so that's why we're doing Missions Month and we're just thrilled. What's going to happen today is in just a few minutes, uh, Jay's going to come and share about our missions project for this week. And then next week, I do want to remind you, we've been working with Calcutta, India, Calcutta Mercy for years. And at the very end of the month, we're going to receive a special offering for Calcutta. At the end of today, we're going to show you a video. Um, and then today, Pastor Michael's preaching. Come on, aren't we excited that Pastor Michael's preaching this week? Crystal, that means you got to come back next week because you don't get to hear me preach this week. And then at the very end, we've been talking to you about our Meet Your Neighbor basket. And so at the very end, do not leave because we want to give you this. If you have to leave, take one of these baskets. I'll be explaining what we do with that at the very end. But we want to give you a chance to invest and to go and to, to do missions right where you are right in your neighborhood, right in your zip code. Let me tell you a little bit about our church. God is really using our church and growing our church. This is a church that's not about your past. We're not just about where you came from. How many of you have a past? Let me see your hand. How many of you have a past that you wish you could forget? We are all living testimonies of God's grace. And so when you walk in the door, we put a 10 over your head. Your whole life, you may have been a four and a five, but when you walk in this room, we see you as a 10. We see you as valuable, and that's not just something that we say. It's really something that we do. So give us a chance. Maybe you're here today and you've given up on God or you've given up on church. There have been people that have walked in the doors of our church, and they have said, this is our last stop. This is our last chance. I'm giving up on church people. How many of you have given up on some church people? I'm giving up on church, giving up on organized religion. Listen, give God one more chance. We're not a perfect church, but we will love you. We are genuine. We have good hearts. So give God another chance and, and give us a chance. And I think that you will be blessed. Amen. All right. Jay Powers is our missions coordinator. Let's encourage Jay. So proud of this guy. Uh, him and Jared have been working very hard on a, a publication here that he's going to tell you about. So I just publicly want to say thank you for that. And Jared spent a lot of time actually binding those and putting those together. Can we encourage Jared and Jay this morning? All right, guys. Surely love you. 
Good morning, everybody. So this is Missions Month. Has everybody been enjoying it so far? Basically, the idea of Missions Month is to get people to focus on different aspects of missions. What missions is, more clearly defining it, it can sometimes get vague, you know, missions. But to break it down to where everybody kind of senses, well, I could play a part in that part, or I could do that, or I could pray about that. So basically, the motto is give bigger, pray harder, go farther. And so... Today, um, one thing that's been on my heart um, today is the concept of what salvation is. We talk about that being one of the keys to it. And at its core, it is the turning over of your life to Christ. But Christ promises, in addition to the salvation of your soul, he wants us to have abundant life in the here and now. As well, Christ wants us to to see people for what they need, for for who they are. And I would challenge everybody today to look down inside and say, where in my neighborhood are their needs? Where in my city are their needs? Where in this world are their needs? And then how can I go about meeting that? And I believe as Mother Teresa that basically said you could... If you can't feed a thousand, feed one. So start start where you're at. You know, don't think, oh, what I have to give is too small. It's never too small. God can take the loaves and the fishes and multiply it. And that's what we are as a church. We're here as a place to take what's on the inside of people and develop that and multiply that and to grow that. And so one of the things we're going to show in a minute in a minute is a video basically about some of the things that we invest in as a church body but right now we're going to look at the um bob if you've got those uh handouts basically um me and jared worked on this um this is kind of a missions prayer guide here and basically what you'll be able to do with this is to say well what do we support as a church what kind of things are we involved in what kind of uh projects are there. And then beyond just what do they do, meaning the missionaries that you see in the guide, is there something similar stirring on the inside of me? And then talk to us, talk to the leadership, you know, about about how I can play a part. Because see, it's not about, oh, that's great, they're missionaries. If it was all about that, that would be great. But what we want to see, we want to see people, individual people finding what God has called you to do. Because when God speaks to your heart something, we want to get behind you. We want to say, well, how do we grow that? How do we invest in you? Because, see, you have things on the inside of you that may be unique, that may be different. Different than, say, Don Cartledge or Abe Zobchak or Scott Strickland or any of the missionaries in this guide. You know, some may be very similar. But... God did not just create you just to be exactly like an Adam Tweet or (laughs) you can't, you know, just be identical. You're you. And then when you are being you, you will be used in this community in a great and mighty way. So if you'll go ahead and pass out the uh, guides there, Um, we'll just do uh, one per family now there. and then we'll be able to reprint more as we, as we need it. And included with your uh, 
packet there, you'll see there's a couple of uh, addendums there, basically. Uh, we've got the U.S. Missions Official Guide. The U.S. Missions basically breaks down what it does into seven windows. And uh, basically, everything from chaplaincy to, uh, we talked about Chi Alpha last week, intercultural ministries, how do we reach diverse groups of people? Uh, missionary church planners and developments, how do we go beyond just, I'm going to start one church to how are we going to start a movement? You know, very exciting group there. I've had a chance to actually talk to those, those people there in Springfield, very good people. Teen Challenge, you know, how do we deal with people that have come through and experienced you know, life problems, struggles with addictions? Um, U.S. Maps, now that is exciting there because that is, well, how do I, as a volunteer, someone maybe who doesn't have credentials or something of that, how do I get plugged in? How do I get started? That is a specific division of U.S. Missions that says here, we got projects, we got things, we got partners, we got missionaries, you know, join up. And then Youth Alive, basically um, engaging with youth groups and, and making it into a national movement. So it's really exciting, all the things. And then I got the last thing in there is the facts and stats. Um, so it kind of tells you a little bit about how many people are involved in each of the different areas. So um, how many, I mean, they had 51,145 salvations. <laughs> Can we give God the praise for that? That is 51,000 people whose lives have been changed directly through the U.S. missions program. That's not even counting the world missions program. That's not counting churches. So when we partner together, see, we want to grow that number. We want to engage that number. We, we know we have so much more to go. But one of the ways we do it is through programs such as what we'll show in this video here, which is the uh, Convoy of Hope. Basically, Convoy of Hope exists to um, engage the community oftentimes through like disaster relief, but beyond just disaster relief, they want to be there for communities that are hurting and to kind of get people in the communities to look at the people and care. So Jerry, if you'll go ahead and show that video there. Thanks. What if you truly believe that you could change a city? Not the structures, the roads, or the traffic, but the people. What would you do? When you look around you, would you begin to see potential instead of poverty? Would your eyes be opened to the value of your neighbors? Would you start to realize that sometimes the simplest things make the biggest difference? That even something as basic as a haircut can inspire confidence? Or that a new pair of shoes can not only change the way people walk, but the way they carry themselves? And would you begin to believe that providing health exams does more than just bring peace of mind, but has the ability to change hearts as well? Or that giving a child reason to smile can brighten their entire existence? And what if you believe that offering someone something as simple as a bag of groceries could be the one thing that brings hope to everything? I came to the Convoy of Hope outreach today for the services offered because they're needed and helpful at the moment. Very helpful. Everybody's constantly making sure that we have what we need and if we need help finding anything, and there's just lots of people to help you. It's given us hope today. That's the hope we needed. <laughs> By giving back to your community, you'll play a part in changing the lives of families and giving them the hope they need. By coming together as friends and neighbors to pray, to give, and to volunteer, we'll transform lives. Hope starts here. Amen. Amen.
Amen. Let's give Jay a round of applause for everything he's done to put this together. It's tremendous. Appreciate that. I am Michael Clark, student ministries pastor here at uh, Emmanuel. I had to think about where I was at, Pastor, I'm sorry. Uh, but I am privileged to serve our students from zero through 18, uh, oversee a great team um, that helps us in our pre-quest and kids quest. And then I work with our, I guess, high quest for lack of uh, any other terms since it all evolves from the kids. We are honored to have some great people here. And I don't, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but in, in talking with those that have been here for a few years, um, w- with a church this size, we have got some high caliber people. Uh, quality, integrity, character, um, we are very blessed. And um, I appreciate the team that I work with. And just to give you guys a little bit of background, um, I'm actually, we're in this book for local missions where I work full time, is Kiko. Right after the local missions page, you see Kiko, Knoxville Inner City Kids Outreach. Uh, Mom and dad started that about 21 years ago, and so I have grown up with that as my sibling and um, still work full-time with Inner City Missions, Inner City Ministry. And I want to give an update for those of you that have been praying for my mother. I was supposed to preach this week, and then he moved it to last week, and then circumstances moved it to this week again. Um, Many of you know um, my mother had a severe stroke last Saturday, and I appreciate the prayers of, of all of you because we have noticed the difference not only personally with peace uh, and joy, but also in the miracles that have been happening with mom this past week. Um, just to give you a few details of what happened and, and what we have seen transpire, we showed up, dad got home last Saturday night to find mom laying on the floor. We do not know how long she had been there, um, more than likely all day. Um, when we were able to finally get her to the hospital that night, the doctor said it had been 12 to 14 hours since the stroke occurred. Uh, we were on a men's retreat, um, gone that day. Mom had said, yeah, go, go, go. I'll be fine. Um, and uh, just things that you can't plan for or, or know are going to happen, happened. And um, when we got her to the hospital, there was no response from her verbally. She wasn't able to communicate the strokes. There's, there was four of them. The, the MRI showed there were four strokes that occurred, three of them on the left side of the brain and one on the right. And the three on the left side, one of them uh, was what controlled her ability to speak. And that was, that was obviously very, I know, difficult for her because she could understand everything we were saying, but she could not communicate back. And then the right side of her body was also paralyzed and not able to respond. Um, it started within 24 hours, friends, that we saw speech return. Um, and God was working miracles, and I know it was from the prayers of the saints. And so we are grateful and, and thankful for those and continue to pray for her as we're looking for full recovery in that right leg. Everything else has come back. Um, her motor skills are about 75% in that right hand. She's right-handed. Um, and so there's just there's some difficulties. There's some life changes. Um, and as, as I've mentioned, I work with my parents as well. And so I had about a, um, I had Saturday and Sunday to really grieve. How many know it's okay to hurt? It's okay to go through the processes of pain um, and that we know God has never left us in that process. He is our hope and he is our joy, even in the midst of heartache. He lifts our heads. And so I have been grateful for your prayers and to walk through that journey. And so I covet your prayers now for my mother and then for our ministry as we make some, some significant changes um, to cover what, what they uh, did and, and how they served our communities. And so I will be doing much of what my mom was doing in Sidewalk Sunday School. And I'm bringing on someone uh, to do much of what I had been doing with our youth 
temporarily, and then we'll kind of evaluate that as time goes on. And so that's where we need prayer and, uh, and your help to come volunteer at some Sunday school sites. Throw my plug in there because I have the mic. This morning, though, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive right in. We're going to continue our Emmanuel Go. And I brought a chair up here because you guys are used to hyper preachers. I know that. And so I thought it would be good for your eyes to adjust to looking at one place. And uh, just kidding. Let's open in prayer. Father, we desperately need you to speak to our hearts. We need you to heal wounds, to catapult us forward with grace and power through your spirit. And I know, Lord, that I have nothing to give these people except that you would speak through me. And so I am leaning in you and upon your grace, Lord, that you would take my words and you would divide them and you would feed the multitudes today as each has need. Lord, as only you are able, speak to us in our circumstance, speak to us to our future. And Lord, may your kingdom be extended in and through us today. This is my prayer. Amen. So a little bit of what we've been talking about the past few weeks in Emmanuel Go is, is God on a mission and his church being a part of that. And many of you know that we are transitioning our model of ministry here to something that is going to be much, much different than what we've had before with a focus on community, with a focus on vulnerability, with a focus on discipleship with a focus on leadership development. And each of these are coming through the vein of life groups. And this is a significant risk for us, to be honest with you, for us to to say, hey, we're gonna put all our chips in, all hands off, no more betting. We want to see God's kingdom extended in and through our community, through healthy relationships. And so as as I talk today, I wanna talk about what this means, both biblically and what it means as a community. What are we going to be experiencing? And so if you'll go to that next slide, Jared, there are some things that are just better together, such as these milk and cookies. My idea was to have cookies here and we would pass them out, but the, how am I going to get milk to everybody? And you got to have milk with cookies. So we're just going to look at it and imagine. Now, some of you, some of you, Bob, may be the type that when you get those cookies, it's not better together. They're better alone because you do not anyone, you do not want to share them. And if you're like me, you have specific cookies that you just like. They're wedding cookies made by Keebler, and you only eat them once a year at Christmas, and, and because that's the way I grew up, and it was tradition. But to me, it is something that I look back on. It was something that was shared. It was something that is, when my wife and I first got married, this was how I put on that first 30 pounds, was the cookies that we would bake each night before bed, true confessions. But there are things that are just done better together. They're just done better together. How many of you, you've ever been on lunch break, and you have to go and you sit at the restaurant by yourself. And it is just done better together. Unless you like to read a book and you don't like to talk to people, which I understand that too, but that is not me. I like to engage in conversation. It hurts my head because my mind never stops thinking. And so I need someone to talk to before it explodes. Things that are just done better together. And when I think about what we're going to discuss today, I have to admit that hopefully, I I don't know where you're at, hopefully you are a believer. Um, If not, maybe by the end of this service, you will choose to join this family, this family of God. But today, what, what my directive is, is to speak to us as a family, as a family of God. And this will be geared towards us as a community, specifically Emmanuel, 
that what we are applying is to us because we are believers already. There are certain promises you know in Scripture that are only for those who believe. One of my favorite verses, probably my favorite verse in the whole uh, text is Romans 8.28. He works all things out for the good. We can't stop there because the promise is for those who believe and are called according to his purpose. That's a promise that I can't quote to my lost friend and neighbor. God will work all things. I can pray for you, friend, but you need to give your life to the Lord and watch him transform your life and everything around you. The promises of God are for the people of God. And it is to make the nations jealous for what we have in Yahweh, for what we have in him. And that was the way it was intended to be with Israel, and that's the way it's intended to be with us today as a church. And so I will be speaking to us as believers, and hopefully if you're not in that covenant relationship with him by the end of this service, you will be jealous for that as well. And so I want to tell a story on myself. Um, When I was at Berean, I had a reputation at school. I went there first through sixth grade because they didn't go any further than eighth grade and my sister had since uh, aged out. She was looking for another school and we ended up at CAK. But my reputation at Berean was that I was very mischievous. I've confessed that before, Miss Gale. I just enjoyed making the others in class laugh and it was oftentimes at the expense and frustration of my teacher. We did send one lady into early retirement. My class had a great reputation, and I was, I was a born leader, even then. And so the spitwads and the things you did back then and, and the paddling, they still paddled. Oh, man, the paddling. And I had a male teacher for two years, and he was a really good paddler. And so I had a reputation, but when I transitioned schools, this is the story. When I moved to CAK, that role in the class had already been filled. Didn't need a class clown, Joseph. They already had one. And so I had to figure out what my identity was going to be in this group setting, in this group classroom. And I played soccer, continued to play there at CAK. Whoop, whoop, CAK. We got one that understands. They're good. And as I was on the soccer team even, I had to figure out what was my role going to be because the positions I had played were also filled. So they didn't need my personality in the classroom. They didn't need me to act up. They, I had to figure out how to play goalie very, very well because that was the need. And so I did. I did those things. And so I had an opportunity, though, to recreate myself in a new dynamic, in a new group setting. And maybe you've moved before. Maybe you've gone to a new school. Maybe you realize and you've experienced something very, very similar. I think that is very common, that when we have changes in our life, oftentimes it gives us opportunity to recreate some things that maybe we wish we had done different or just to try something new. And in that time, though, I began to also isolate myself, and that wasn't like me. And when I had a, a, what I consider a radical conversion my freshman year of high school, that process of me finding my identity in Christ continued with me isolating myself more. And so deep inside, I still longed for something I longed for connection with people that I thought could identify with what I was experiencing, but I didn't think that they would understand what I was going through. Spiritually, the struggle I was feeling with sin as an adolescent teen with raging hormones and trying to live a pure life with God, I was afraid to be vulnerable and transparent because heaven forbid you know that I was struggling as much as I felt I was and you would think of me differently. 
And so that continued this process of isolating myself and isolating myself and isolating myself. And I was the preacher boy in my high school, chasing my friends down the hallway, telling them to either don't call yourself a Christian or live a different way, you know? And, and, and I continued that process with my own mistakes. And God, through his grace, still allowed my genuine prayer and concern for the people I was around to still be heard, even in my poor attempts to communicate that. And so Ellie and I, she got a diary this weekend at a garage sale, one with a key and all, pretty fancy. I have the other key, don't worry. It came with two, she has one and I have one. That's accountability already, that's the software we installed, was I have a key, she has a key. And so I told her, I have, I have many of these journals, Ellie, from when I, was, when I was younger. And so we went downstairs to my office and we pulled them out. As we began to look at some of the things I had written over 20 years ago, my prayer for the nations and my prayer for the individuals that were in my life and, and the people that were there, you could see the community that I was in through my journals. And she said, well, who is J.E.? And who is so-and-so? And I'm like, well, these are kids I went to school. These are actually people that were in my small group. These are people that were in my youth. This is my youth pastor's name right here. He's now a pastor in Seymour. These were people that were near and dear to me, that were close to me, that my community was reflected in my prayers and in my prayer journal. And Ellie was seeing that, and so she began to do that in her journal last night as we read uh, Ephesians 3, and then she began to journal and write and draw pictures just describing what she was feeling. But what I yearned for then, and I could only get into my journal and never into my life, was something that was only done better together, and that thing was called community. And that thing called community seems to elude us many times. It seems to cost too much. It seems to um, overtake more of my calendar than I'm willing to give up because my kids need to be in every curricular activity, right? I mean, one day they too are going to be in the Olympics for both basketball and soccer and football. And I mean, we already know that. And we sometimes commit chidolatry at the expense of a good model of what it means to be connected to the body of Christ for our kids. Parents, I'm speaking to you, obviously, and myself. And so what oftentimes can cost us both personally and our family-wise, it can cost, we somehow put this off and it, it will happen later. It'll happen, or it'll happen on my own time, or it'll happen when it's convenient. It'll happen when I've, I've just got more time to give to it. And honestly, guys, we're never going to have more time than we have now. And we're never going to be able to get more connected as a body and experience what he has for us. And so moving on, Jared, we know that this thing called community is, is meant to be done together. This, this life is meant to be done together. How many of you guys, if you came over to help me with some of the home repairs or if you were over at Pastor James's new house and he had some nails to drive, you would give him your cell phone to finish driving those last nails in? How many of you would give him your iPhone? and say, here you go, use this. I think it'll hold up. Absolutely not. That was not the purpose that it was created for. You might give him a pocket knife that's got a hammer on the end, or you might give him a real hammer if you have one. You would give him something other than your screen on your phone to finish driving those nails in. That's a ridiculous analogy. But the, the simple fact is this, is that God created us with a design and a purpose. And from the very beginning, when he created Adam, he said that it was not good for you to be alone. 
And so the reason that already we were created in community was because we were not meant to be Lone Rangers or to do this alone. And even in our smaller units as families, in our smaller units as um, us four and no more, we were not meant to do this alone. Rick, we were meant to do this in connection to one another. There is this design, and it exists within God himself. You think about God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. There is already, there is in the Trinity, community. There is community within God to share the experience of creation, to share the joy of redemption, because that was the joy that was set before him, that we would be a part of this family, this community. That's how crucial it was that when he created Adam, it was not the full representation of God's image because it was not good for you to be alone. You were not whole in his image alone until you were male and female. I am a firm believer of that. Does that mean God has, you're not creating God's image? No, there are nuances to God's nature and character that we see distinctly in male and we see distinctly in female. And it is together in that unity, that we, in that unity, that we see God in his fullness. He has made us dependent on one another for procreation, intentionally by design, because God exists in community. God the Father would never do what what the Son would, would accomplish. And he would leave, the Son would leave, because it were better that he would leave, because he was going to send us the Holy Spirit The Son would never accomplish what only the Holy Spirit could do. There are distinct, distinct calls for each one of us in our marriage, but yet in community. As individuals in this community, but yet together as a collective and a whole. We represent the image and kingdom of God as a collective. I love what Paul says in Corinthians that you are the temple of God. And we think that that is a very individualized verse. And we, we then correlate it to what we do with our body about smoking and sex and all this other stuff. But that is a you all. Paul was from the South. He said, y'all, y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. He was speaking in the plural that you all as a collective are God's temple. Y'all. I love Paul. He's so Southern. So there's a few verses that I just want to read to us to give us a little bit of theological context, and then I'm going, to, um, I'm going to dive into something real quick. And so these verses right here, starting in Acts, and uh, Acts is an action book, okay? It is, it is a narrative. It is not always intended to be theology. It is a record of what occurred. I may be stepping out there, but that is my view on Acts. This is what happened to them in their context. And I think there are things that we can learn and there are some things we can apply, but it is not always this must be done this way. Okay, so here's what they did in Acts though. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And so a lot of times we like to pull out those four things and say these are what we want to design our ministries around. And so that's why I go to Miss Sue's house because she believes in the breaking of bread and she cooks tremendous food. And that's why I'm now going back to college so I can be a part of that group. And so it is all going to work out. All things work out for the good of those who get plugged into Miss Susan's life group. So they devoted themselves to these things, to the apostles' teaching. And so we devote ourselves to what is being taught in our community, in our setting, from our leadership, 
and to fellowship. These are some, these are what I like to call the ships of ministry, right? We have fellowship, and I'll get to that later on. There's, there's these ships in ministry that we should be devoted to. One of them is fellowship, and, and that, that is accompanied with meals, with food. How many know that it is a very intimate transaction over, over a meal? That is, that is, we're in relationship with one another. Elijah is strangely nodding his head, yes, as if he's going to take me to lunch later. And, and so, Jared, I don't know what happened. Am I, am I going too slow? What happened, Jared? What happened in my last verse? And to prayer. And this will be, all of these will be a part of our life groups. Because this next verse, as Jared was already showing you, says that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. This will be our temple court. And then they broke bread in homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And so there's this, there's already this idea, this pattern, so to speak, that it was happening here in public and then it was happening in homes in private. And we were doing this as a community. We're, we're sharing it as a, as a larger group, but then we're also sharing this on a more intimate scale of a small group because there's only things that can be shared in that smaller group that that context provides the setting for. The things that I shared with you about my mom is only because I have the microphone. But many of you are going through your own heartache and trouble and situations that unless you have this microphone can't be shared in this context. And so while I can identify with you, our growth and support really isn't going to occur until we're able to break bread and, and dialogue about these around a table. And in a smaller group, we can bear one another's burdens, as Paul says we are to do. And so when we go through these things together, we're able to lift one another because we're never meant to experience this alone in isolation because we are better together. And so they continued to meet together in homes. And the next verse, Jared, you can keep going. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah. And so these verses... They talk about what, they, what it means for us that as individuals, attendance isn't just checking the box. That's not necessarily all God is looking for for our spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here and you're worshiping with us on Sunday morning. This was, I needed what we just in, encountered in worship. I personally needed what the worship brought to my soul and to my life. I needed this midriff backdrop to uh, stare at, I told you I'd fit it in, that midriff backdrop, that's my term for it, I like it. And so, but what we experienced here, I needed that, and I wouldn't necessarily get that same experience in a small group, but I would get something different that I also need, a more intimate relationship, to find out about your baby that's coming along, and we plan that, uh, that shower, to find out about the struggles you're encountering, to celebrate your victories to pray with you and to walk with you, to do life together. And that is what we are working towards here. And what I love in 1 John, you can go ahead and, and throw that up there. 1 John 1, 1 through 4. John writes that that which was from the beginning, speaking of Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Verse 2, the life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim it to you, what we have seen and heard, so that, here's a purpose clause, so that you also may have fellowship with us. 
So the whole purpose John is saying right here of what we are proclaiming, the reason I'm writing these next five chapters to you in 1 John is so that you may have fellowship with us. We've got to get some things on the same, on the same plane here. But my proclamation to what I've seen and heard, what I have touched, and he says seen again, for some reason he saw it twice, it is for this purpose of having fellowship with one another. And he says, and our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. Obviously, the Holy Spirit filling us and being our bond to one another. That we are a part of his family. And he says, as I write this, to make our joy complete. There is this nuance that John understood that the fellowship that we have is to imitate what we also have with God the Father. And I think about the intimacy that I have with the Lord and the vulnerability that he knows everything whether I share it or not. And sometimes my wife does too. And hopefully my small group will as well in my life group. Is that we will have that relationship, we will have that deeper, that fellowship, that what we are experiencing in his presence and through the proclamation of Jesus to our hearts and our souls is happening as you bring something to the table, as you are sharing something, as you are contributing because we are better together. And I believe that this was in the back of John's mind as he heard Jesus in a very specific passage. But before we do uh, jump into a passage that John writes in the gospel, I want you to watch this video. Not yet. Wait, wait for it. I want you to watch this video of what our life groups will not be like. They will not be like this. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, that's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. Who wants cake? Come on and get it! And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial, but hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group, because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us?
Oh my goodness. That is not what our, our life groups are going to be about. And it's funny, um, but that is, our goal is quite the opposite, is it not? To, to do life together um, and to enjoy and to enjoy what we do. I want to turn to John 17 as we look at one last passage together. And this, just to give you the context of what is happening, this is Jesus' last words to his disciples. And I think about if my mom uh, were in that place, you know, her last words would have been of the most up importance. She would be saying things that I love you, I forgive you, you know, just remember, it wouldn't be like, remember to get the, you know, veggies out of the freezer and thaw them. It It would not have been that shallow stuff, right? Jesus's last words here, he is conveying his deepest, deepest emotional thoughts to his disciples. And I think it's very important in this, what is called the high priestly prayer, that we hear what he is about to say before he goes off to death before he sacrifices himself on the cross. And so these are critical moments and critical words. So knowing that, we start at verse nine. And it says this in John 17, nine. It says, I pray for them, talking about his disciples. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours and all you have is mine, speaking of the Father. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world and I am coming to you. So he has prayed for us. Jesus has prayed for us, and in his last words, he prays that we will be one, that we will be together, and he goes on. Go ahead to the next slide, please. He says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. And so Jesus, I believe, is praying over each one of us as well, as his extended family, in his last words, these things that are most dear to him. And he prays, Father, protect them. Protect them from division. May they be one. Protect them from being isolated. May they experience community, I believe, is what he would want, just as you and I experience, Father, this oneness. And he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. And so we get this sense that while the, there is this, I don't know if you guys um, do a lot of math at home, we homeschool, but somehow, somehow God's math is a little bit different than what we're teaching our daughter now, because there's this one plus one plus one equals one in the economy of God. And so we see here that there is this distinction between him and the father, but there's no division There is diversity, but there is no disunity. They have different roles, but they have the same goal. And so, are we there? By no means. But I believe that is what the, that Jesus is praying for us in this prayer, is that while we may have our differences, while Pastor James may preach different than I do, he will not sit in this stool, ever, probably, unless something happens to your ankle again, which we're not, we're praying against. We have different, characteristics. We have a different temperament. We have different focuses. Foci, if that's a word. I'm going to make that one up, Rick. You like that? Publish that sucker. We have things that God has called us to as individuals, but we are so much richer when we're together. Our distinctness is, is meshed together 
And it is intertwined to make a much, much stronger fabric that we experience in life together in this unity. And so John writes that there is this need, but that there is also this want. Just as I experienced when I was in middle school and high school to isolate myself, thinking that was the best way because people don't understand. They don't know what I'm going through. They can't identify with me. And yet that is just the enemy that would want to separate us. Because Jesus has already prayed that we would be one just as he and the Father are one. And you want to talk about outreach? They will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Challenge you, pastors, and those called to ministry. Jesus never asked, would you count my sheep? Would you feed them, he said. Would you take up a good offering? Would you, it's not about the nickels and noses. We know those represent souls. We've pastors said it time and again, but that we would feed one another, that we would come together and drink from the fount of life that is Christ. His challenge to us as a whole is that the world will see our love for one another now, not just the leaders, but our love for one another. And that's how they'll know that we are his, that we are his, that we are his disciples. And so now what? This is what my challenge would be to each one of us is that we would take one communal risk. You can throw that up there, Jared. The next one is that for, you would take one communal risk this week. And what do I mean by that? For the occasional churchgoer, fellowship. Get plugged into something. For those that are the regular churchgoer, get plugged into a life group. I would say every single one of us, our goal is 125% participation in life groups because we believe that they're going to be an extension of, of Jesus's body on earth. And that through you, you've got so much to offer and maybe you know it and maybe you don't, but you have gifts inside and you have experiences that someone else is going to identify with that your strengths will come out in that context. And for maybe you're already signed up for life groups Maybe you're going to be watching this semester in such a way that you will lead next semester. Maybe you will lead one and that will be your communal risk. Maybe you're saying, ah, you know, I'm already a small group leader. Well, then you will be one that is transparent and vulnerable and honest and able to lead well. Just something this week that would be a risk and as I was mentioning, there's these ships, these ships, as fellowship came up in that verse, of life groups that we are targeting specifically, discipleship, relationship, or community, and leadership. These are the ships that I believe are going to happen, that are going to occur, that you're going to, we're going to experience growth in our spiritual walk as we are discipled. We are going to sense connection as relationships are formed and deepened. And we're going to see leadership emerge from those that maybe never saw it in themselves. That is our, our belief and that is our heart and that is our prayer, that we will see these ships of life groups start to occur. And our need isn't really to transition to an already deep-rooted community experience into missions, but to simply be a deep-rooted community and watch missions occur in and out of our groups. I believe that's what will happen. Our life groups will be intentional and on mission as we live life. As we live life together, they will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. 
Guys, let's not get that backwards. Let's not say that you will know I'm his disciple because I love the world. That's not what Jesus said. And as someone who is over a nonprofit organization, involved, deeply vested, that is something that I have had a chip on my shoulder about towards the church, was that I'm out there doing the ministry. I'm out there doing the work of God. And what are you doing? No, Christ says that you will know my love for the church. To the world, he says that. So friends, the church comes first. Our outreach is an extension. I don't have kids before I find my wife. We get connected and we have some kids, all right? When we are connected to one another, procreation is the natural result. So don't let that be an intimidating factor that I'm gonna have to be involved in this. We are going to dive deep together in life and then we're going to watch what God does and how he brings souls into those same groups to be better together. So folks, I want to just, I want to close here. The community is what God has created us for. And it is designed within himself. And we will find that we are all better together in community. And we, were, we are better people when we are connected. A band of brothers, a band of sisters, that we are on the front lines doing life together. And I've got your back when you're struggling. And I'm celebrating with you when the Vols get that touchdown. Amen. Come on. Can I get an amen? That's what I'm talking about. Can I get one from the Kentucky fan back there scratching his forehead? Come on now. (laughs) Let me pray over us, and then we have something that we want to uh, pass out to each one of you. Father, I thank you that today we can celebrate that we are a part of your family, that we can celebrate that you have adopted us as sons and as daughters And we can celebrate that we are in this family together and that we are richer because of my brother and my sister. And I can see that the gifts inside of them and what they have for their future is great. So God, I pray over those that are already connected to this body, to this fellowship, and those that are looking to get connected, that God, that we would do it together. We would do it in community. We would do it intentionally on purpose. And that Lord, we would hang up all our hangups from keeping us from getting involved and say, Lord, this is priority. This was important to you that you would say it last. That God, we would be one even as you and the son are one. And Father, I just pray right now, if there's anyone in this room that has not yet joined this family, that if that is where they're at, that they would right now in their own words, in their heart, say to you, Lord, I need you as my savior. And I want you to be my Lord and to adopt me into this family. I give up on doing things my own way and I surrender to you. And so this morning, Lord, we add to those who are not yet a part of this family that now are. And the angels in heaven celebrate and we celebrate with them, Lord. God, and I pray that as we move forward into this as a community, Lord, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us wisdom. And Lord, these would be healthy, vibrant groups extending your kingdom here on earth. Thank you, Lord, that we are able to participate in what your kingdom is doing. In your name we pray, amen.